Kevin, it's SummerSlam week and it's only fitting. We do a wrestler bio on one of the greatest of all time, point blank period, Randy the Macho Man Savage. Uh, this is going to be a big wrestler bio, as are all ours. We did Code Angle last time. You guys love that. The reception was amazing. This time, Kevin, we're doing the Macho Man. So first off, how you doing, pal? I'm lovely, pal. You know, I got I to gotta plug the Spotify, the podcast platforms at the top. Uh, give it a listen. Uh, the link will be in the description. You can see us on, yeah, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, TuneIn, Stitcher, Pandora, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts from. A- any audio platform, we're on there. You, you'll hear our lovely voices. You won't see our smiling faces, but you will hear our lovely voices. So, yeah, with that being said, got the plug out of the way. How are you, pal? I, I know you did a lot of preparation for this show. You watched, like, 20 hours of Macho Man footage, you told me, uh, over this week? This is your full-time job now, pal. You're doing Elite Heat full-time. We're raking in the, the cash, pal. You're watching Macho Man and Randy Savage clips at 3 in the morning. Uh, how do you feel? Well, and for a quick behind-the-scenes for the listeners of the show, Kevin does a lot of the production, a lot of the, you know, like the edits, the, the putting the audio up, the Spotify, the back-end platforms. It's only fair for me to really put effort into making sure these are the best quality shows we can get. So I'm, I'm watching a lot of the Randy Savage stuff, as the case with most wrestler bios we do, and just most content we do generally. I uh, try and be as informed as possible. I know Kevin does as well for these shows, so we give you guys the best sort of podcast we can. Uh, so yeah, I did a lot of watching of Randy Savage stuff, uh, a bit of his documentary from WWE like eight years ago, not the A&E one that Kevin will get to later. Uh, I did a bunch of watching of the, really the classic Randy Savage matches, Savage Steamboat from Mania 3, Savage Hogan WrestleMania 5, Savage Warrior Mania 7. I watched WrestleMania 8, Savage and Flair for the WWF title. So plenty of great stuff there. And just generally, I feel well prepared for this. There's a lot of stuff to go into. Uh, As you know, if you've been listening to our show for a while, we don't do like match-by-match reviews of anything. We literally just go big questions. What are the main things you need to know with X wrestler And we're going to deep dive into it. So Kevin... Do you want to start us off, pal? Do you want to hit the ground running, pal? Start us off. Yeah, I'll just ask you, what makes Randy Savage, what makes the Macho Man such an iconic character in the uh, the annals of WWE history? Yeah, Kevin, when I look at Randy Savage, he ticks pretty much all the boxes. I know when we're doing Kurt Angle, which is our last bio, we said similar things, that he ticks near enough every box. Savage, my main takeaway from all the stuff I've watched with him, one... He had that larger-than-life superhero presentation you need to be a real top echelon like main event wrestler in professional wrestling. The, the attires were just unbelievable. You got like the big robe, like the capes almost, where you got the, the really sparkly, colorful, just big presentation. The sort of thing where he comes down and then you, you're like your attention is just locked on him. You're, you're glued to him. So there, there's the attire. The intensity... This is one that we see, and we've talked about this in previous shows, Kevin, quite a bit with the all-time like top-tier Mount Rushmore and top 10 to 15 guys. They have one thing in common for the most part, really good intensity. Like They are switched on, they're locked in. Randy Savage, especially with promos, but even in the ring especially, always switched on, always locked in. When you bring that intensity, as a viewer, it makes you more engaged. think, okay, this guy's locked in. I want to see like, what's he going to do. What's he going to say? What's he going to do? So... There's that distinctive Kevin, the promo style. We're going to talk about this more later on, but his infamous promos, the, oh yeah, like that sort of thing. And yeah, how he would execute promos. 
yes, at the time in the 80s, the early 90s, everyone was big, everyone was expressive. That was just what he did. But Savage's style was so distinctive that it was just, it was above all the rest, in my opinion. And yeah, Miss Elizabeth and, I mean, in the ring, he was really good as well. Like, he was basically the complete package of a wrestler. So that's my sort of initial answer, Kevin. I'll, I'll hit a bounce pass to you, pal. Uh, talk to us. What, in your opinion, makes Savage so great? Hit us. Well, for one, it's the character. I, I think that's the main thing that sets Randy Savage aside from everyone else, really. He's arguably the most unique character in the history of pro wrestling. The voice, like you said, the intensity, the style of promos, um, and a lot, a lot of what you said, you know, the attire, just the whole Macho Man Randy Savage package, just all in one, it's just, it's a spectacle. And it's something that people remember. Uh, anybody can quote the catchphrases. Some of the most iconic and memorable catchphrases of all time. The oh yeah, the dig it, like the Elizabeth, the way he said it, his voice. That was a big part of it, his raspy voice, a voice unlike any other. But on top of that, really his legacy is the fact that he's one of the most influential performers to ever step foot in a wrestling ring. That Coupled with that, like his character, you couple that with uh, his WrestleMania 3 match with Ricky Steamboat. He inspired an entire generation of wrestlers. Guys like Chris Jericho, Shawn Michaels, you know, even some older guys, like or some younger guys, sorry, like CM Punk. Guys like that have just been influenced. But that generation, the people that grew up watching the, those guys at that time, you know, the John Cena's of the world that were watching like Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat have their match and then watching Hogan, like... When you talk about the, the golden era of the WWF, you talk about the, the mid-80s, the late-80s, the early-90s, Randy Savage is one of the names that's at the very top of the list of the most important and influential and critical characters to that time frame. And, Kevin, one thing I will say, obviously, I'm the younger one here, uh, so I'm 20 as we speak. I, I did not grow up watching Randy Savage. I've seen, you know, in passing, the WrestleMania 3 match, Obviously, I know of Savage. I've seen some stuff. But really what I found when I really deep dive into Randy Savage in the past couple of days in preparation for this is you can see, as you touch on, what makes him so influential. You can see parts of Savage and so many of the guys who would come after Randy Savage. You mentioned a few of them there, Jericho, Michaels, Punk. These sort of guys who, for this generation and for the last 20, 25 years, have been you know, in main events, you know, up and mid-card, just all over WWE as the big stars. So much of what makes those guys what they are spawns from Randy Savage. Randy Savage was really the, like the one who did it first in many ways in that regard. It was, you know, and at the time, Kevin, when I watch this back now, yes, for instance, some of the matches with uh, Hogan, with Ultimate Warrior, even the Steamboat match. Nowadays, Kevin, they're a more polished, crisp-looking well-executed matches by wrestlers who are more so just acrobatic, yes. But for that match in 1987, 36 years ago, for them to do what they could do, absolutely was a pioneering, trailblazing match in wrestling. And we'll talk about this more in a minute, but it's that, it's the presentation. It truly was ahead of its time. And so many of the all-time greats in wrestling have taken bits and pieces from the Macho Man Randy Savage, be that the, you know, the outfits, the character, 
the distinctive promo style, the wrestling style, even yeah, bits of the gear and all of it, having the, the valet manager, all of it. So yeah, Randy Savage, absolute all-time great as we'll continue to touch on throughout this bio pal. Yeah, and I want to say this too for younger people like us. We're both in our 20s. Neither one of us grew up watching Randy Savage. My earliest memory of seeing Randy Savage was in the Spider-Man movie. When he appeared, in, I believe it was the original Spider-Man, when he appeared in that movie and he basically wrestled Spider-Man and he was great in it. That's really the only time that I saw Randy Savage live. Maybe a couple times in TNA, but that was later years and it really wasn't the Randy Savage of old. But my point being here is that Randy Savage is so influential and he he transcended generations that everyone, you, me, people older than me, people younger than me, we were all aware of Randy Savage. It's kind of like when you look at like hip hop culture, he's like Biggie or Nas or Wu-Tang Clan. Like, yeah, we didn't grow up listening to those albums and those artists, but if you're a hip hop fan, you know who they are. And Randy Savage is similar. He's in that elk with like Ric Flair and Hogan and uh you know ultimate warrior it's just guys like that that everybody knows regardless of age you know some wrestlers unfortunately they get kind of like left by the wayside as time goes like you think of names maybe like bam bam bigelow or like hercules guys like that not everybody in, in culture knows and not every wrestling fan knows who they are but everyone knows who randy savage is and realistically he his last wwe appearance was in 1994 he never appeared after that he did WCW, yes. He was in WCW throughout the Monday Night Wars. And then he was in TNA in like the early, mid-2000s. But he passed away in 20... What was it, 2011? He passed away? He didn't appear on WWE TV for 17 years. And he still... And he was hardly mentioned, too, on top of that. We'll get into all that stuff about him not being mentioned and the black ball from the industry. I made a whole video on it on my channel. We'll get to that, but... With all that being said, like the blackballing and you know the not not appearing for seventeen years till his death, he still was just someone that you could just you couldn't mention wrestling without talking about Randy Savage at some point. No, hundred percent. And one more thing before we start to go into our questions and our like a structured discussion with this, Oliver, you mentioned how yeah nowadays everyone just knows of Randy Savage, you know, whether it's that Macho Man t-shirt, the one that's either purple or whatever color with like the sunglasses and Macho Man. That's very common. I've seen that shirt around. That's how common that shirt is. Whether it's, you know, his matches, everyone knows that this WrestleMania 3 match we're about to touch on, you know of him. And as I was just alluding to before, even if you haven't seen a bunch of Randy Savage stuff, trust me, I just did this the other day. Go back and watch it. You'll see really the foundation, the pioneer for a lot of what you see today is because of this guy, Randy Savage. So Kevin, that being said, I'll ask you the question, and this will probably segue into a discussion here. What in your opinion is Randy Savage's best match? Like what do you think is the best Randy Savage match, pal? No, it's it's his match versus Ricky Steamboat. I don't even think that could be argued. I think that's objective, yes. honestly. Like yeah. that that's a top three, top five wrestling match of all time. And that match laid the groundwork, laid the blueprint. For the wrestling that we still see to this day, that the storytelling, the work, and the injury, uh, that the uh, what was it, the larynx, and Randy Savage when he destroyed Ricky Steamboat's larynx. At that time, people thought wrestling was real. Like my family can attest to this. My family was really young. Like my brothers and my sister, they were like maybe ten, eleven when this happened. And my sister cried for like a week because she thought uh, Randy Savage legitimately hurt Ricky Steamboat. It's just, we, you know, we don't see stuff like that anymore, you know, and I have a unique connection to it 
having an older family that can really relate to me uh, what it was like growing up at that at that time. But man, just to I would love to go in a time capsule and just sit down and watch WrestleMania three, watch the build up to it, watch those weekly or bi weekly shows, however WWE structured their TV, watch the build up to that match and watch it play out. Like that that's probably the number one thing if I could go back in time and watch live and just experience it as it happened. In, in front of ninety three thousand people in the uh in the Pontiac, what was it, Silverdome? Is it Silverdome yeah. or Superdome? Uh, Hulk Hogan got ask me confused Hogan now. Pal. Ask Hulk Hogan, pal. Ask Terry Belair that question. <laughs> uh, but Kevin, I'll, I'll just carry on with what you're alluding to there. The thing I love about this, and this is just a general thing about WrestleMania 3, real quick, this match being you know, the best match of the show, as well as obviously Hogan Andre, it's just such like a simpler time. You know, wrestling was so simple. It was Hogan was the the, like the the guy you'd support. You wanted him to win Hulkamania, and then he'd be wrestling this big, like dastardly, huge seven foot five giant. In this case, it was Randy Savage. You want to boo him? You, you, you're cheering for Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. You want to, him to beat this you know year long IC champion Randy Savage? It was just a simple time. The presentation was so well done. It it felt you know as you alluded to with your old family, like this felt like real. You didn't quite know yet. Like the, the the word wasn't quite out, so it was just the whole presentation. Watching this, it's awesome to go back and watch. That's why WrestleMania three, especially, is heralded so highly by people from that era, particularly, and just generally all time. It ages really well. Like I went back and watched this now. This is now thirty nine and a half, nearly forty years later, or thirty six and a half years later, nearly thirty seven years. It just ages so well. So when it comes to Savage and Steamboat, as I was sort of alluding to a bit earlier, nowadays, Kevin. Yeah, we may see more crisp execution of moves. There might be more well-executed things like Osprey and Omega and Brian Danielson. They may have a smoother flow through the match. But this match for 1987, for what they managed to do with how it was choreographed, how they, as you say, worked the injury, the larynx, how they told the story, commentary was incredible. The commentary from Ventura and Monsoon, oh, my God. Like, they made it that much better. The crowd was really into every move. And Randy Savage, they had Elizabeth and George the Animal Steel, pal. Oh, yeah. His hairy back, pal. Just, just an amazing match. It was only 14, 15 minutes. This didn't need to be 35. This didn't need to be a Tokyo Dome Japanese epic that goes for 65 minutes. This was 14, 15 minutes. And it was literally flawless, essentially. So just what a match. What a match. Kevin, uh, the significance today, I mean, I touch on it, but... You, just, you watch this match back. I know you've you've seen this match. Most of us listening have seen this. You think now, 36 years later, how many wrestlers this match would have inspired? The style? I mean, talk to us on that. Just like the style these guys wrestled, what they did for wrestling. You know? So I remember Chris Jericho. I don't know when he said this. It was If it was on a podcast or a radio interview or if it was what, like one of his documentaries. He talked about how he and his friends, maybe it was Lance Storm, how he and Lance Storm, when they were training to be wrestlers together, they literally mimicked this entire match. They memorized it move for move, hold for hold. And he said that, that Ricky Steamboat's arm drag is the greatest move he's ever seen in wrestling history. And it's one that he emulated. I mean, you think about it, the arm drag. This match created the arm drag. This match created, like... It, 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 obviously, it was done before. You know, Flair had been doing stuff like this. But it was done on a grander stage. The rest holds. The, the transitions. The fluidity. And the fact that Randy Savage planned this match out move for move, backstage with Steamboat, just so influential in so many ways. 
it wasn't the first it, it wasn't maybe necessarily the innovator but it was the biggest the most influential and it's something like i was saying earlier that we see nowadays with basic moves and basic storytelling modern day wrestling is literally built on this match this match is like for lack of a better term or lack of a better analogy this is the three-pointer of wrestling this changed wrestling entirely this was the birth for the faster paced action prior to this match what you got at wrestlemania what you got at at big wwf main event shows or house shows you know the wwf what you saw was bruno san martino would come in He'd throw some fake punches at Peja Morales. The crowd would chant. You get a six and a half, seven minute match. And it was all pomp and circumstance. It was all show. It was flash. This match brought actual quote unquote wrestling into the fold. This paved the way for guys like Jericho to come along. Guys like Eddie Guerrero. Guys like Rey Mysterio. Like Shawn Michaels. And everybody wanted to emulate this, this match. Everybody from that, from that time frame. You know, maybe now it's not at the same level. Like, you think now, guys probably look back to, like, Triple H and Shawn Michaels, Undertaker and Shawn Michaels for WrestleMania 25, maybe Bret and Austin for WrestleMania 13. Even some of the younger guys probably look at, like, Omega and Osprey or Omega and Okada. They look at matches like that or some of Brian Danielson's matches. But a specific generation that ends up birthing the greatest era of wrestling were raised on this and... And it's still its effects are still being uh, showed today. Now, before you go, I want to I want to transition here for a moment. I want to talk about this: Ricky Steamboat versus Savage WrestleMania three. We gave that a lot of praise. I want to touch on just some of his other great matches. So I want to ask you, like, what what are your, like your five or six or three? Well, what are your favorite Randy Savage matches? Randy Savage matches. Yeah. So for me. Obviously, that one's, like, the main one. But really, the match against Flair is very underrated from WrestleMania 8. And I think it's maybe because the show ended with, you know, Hogan and the Warrior runs out and Sid Vicious. And it was WrestleMania 8. It was, it was still the Hogan sort of time. But yeah, really Can I interject real quick? I'm sorry. Yeah. Psycho yep. Sid main evented two more WrestleManias than your GOAT, Philip Jack Brooks. Incredible, isn't it? Just yeah. incredible. Kevin Owens main evented two. Sam Punk's main evented none. Yeah, the fact Hilarious. that Psycho Sid main evented two WrestleManias is yeah. that's just more of a slight than Boy Kevin Owens. Like Kevin Owens deserves it. You know, Psycho Sid, Sid vicious, disgusting. Psycho Sid, pal, ridiculous. But nonetheless, I look at Savage and Flair that match, and I mean we'll touch on it probably a bit more later. But just want to say now. That, that was awesome. Like This is Randy Savage, a guy who, as we're rightfully praising, is just an absolute legend who has so much great to him. And Ric Flair, who's a Mount Rushmore guy, objectively. So that match was awesome. WrestleMania 8, I love that one. Uh, even the match of WrestleMania 7, which we'll touch on a bit later on with the Ultimate Warrior, this is Jim Helwick. This isn't like an in-ring sort of specialist. But the way they managed to tell the story, the emotion of that match, like I'm watching and going... This has no right being as good as it is. This is the ultimate warrior who, as everyone who knows the ultimate warrior, everyone who watched him during that era would attest to and describe, Jim Helwig's in-ring ability was the equivalent to a bucket of piss. The guy could literally do, you know, a big splash. Oh, you know, oh, he's punching. Oh, but Randy Savage got like this four and a half star, like great. Oh my God, match. Some people give it five stars and fair enough. So to the storyline, like that match was great as well. And, you know, furthermore, I personally love the WrestleMania 5 match. I watched this one as well. 
yeah, maybe it wasn't like the greatest Randy Savage. Like Randy Savage had better matches than WrestleMania five, but just the circumstance of it, the main event of WrestleMania five, Trump Plaza, the mega power storyline, you're wrestling Hulk Hogan in the absolute prime Hulkamania just about like a match like that's great as well. Um, so Randy Savage, he's had a lot of hits and I'm not even mentioning matches on, you know, Summer Slams or non WrestleManias. I'm just mentioning like the big WrestleMania matches off the top of my head. Um, so for me, just to recap there, obviously Steamboat Savage is one. I'd probably put Savage and Flair number two personally. I just really enjoyed that match. I'd put Savage and Hogan, WrestleMania five really up there. I'd put the WrestleMania seven match, Savage and Ultimate Warrior is really the main sort of highlights for me. But Savage, he's obviously had all the great matches, Kevin, which you can, you know, give us in a moment. But yeah, to me, those like the top sort of couple with him. I love it. Uh, I'm going to throw some out there for you. Uh, others that you didn't mention. Some of my favorites is his match versus Diamond Dallas Page. No disqualification match from Spring Stampede, 1997. A little WCW action in there, pal. WCW. <laughs> Michael. And, and you can never go wrong with uh, the original SummerSlam main event. The Mega Powers, pal. The Mega Powers versus the Mega Bucks. Ted DiBiase and Andre the Giant squaring off against the Pythons, brother. Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage. Just one of the best tag team matches you'll ever see. Absolutely, undeniably incredible. Uh, then there was the other match that Savage and Warrior had at SummerSlam 92. Really good match. Uh, not as good as their WrestleMania 7 match, but still pretty good. So Ultimate Warrior had two and a half good matches in his, in his entire career. And two of them are thanks to uh, the one, the late, great Randy Poffo. So uh, that alone is a big, big plus to Randy Savage's legacy. The fact that he was yeah. able to get not one, but two good matches out of Jim Helwig, the Ultimate Warrior. That's incredible. Go ahead. Yeah, and one more thing on these matches, which especially for me, I found in the WrestleMania 3 match with Savage and Steamboat and the WrestleMania 5 match with Savage and Hogan. One of the big things with Savage, he's great. We've Establish sort of the main things of why he's so good. But one of the things you need with wrestling, especially, is great commentary to supplement that. Because you can have a really great talent. Oh, yeah. But if the commentary is Corey Graves and Byron Saxon, it's not going to be as great as if it's Jim Ross and Gorilla Monsoon or, you know, Jesse the Body and whoever, if you know what I'm saying. So I look at the commentary for these matches WrestleMania 3, Jesse the Body Ventura incredible like him and monsoon make randy savage and just that whole storyline with george animal steel kidnapping miss elizabeth and how ridiculous that was and like uh, kevin I, I i open wrestlemania 3 on binge i click on the the sort of savage and steamboat part of the match we get the match recap right away i'm already gripped jesse the body ventura is screaming in his iconic voice i'm not gonna try and impersonate it yeah, i'm just please, gonna read don't. you what he says just that the dialogue of this makes randy savage makes everything involving that match just bigger this is horrible monsoon this is kidnapping and steamboats are part of it. this is kidnapping and conspiracy he's yelling this as george the animal steel this big dude with a hairy back this creepy looking bloke is carrying miss elizabeth against her will away from ringside I'm like, this is such a ridiculous storyline ridiculous and randy savage randy savage and the greatness of him makes this really good and then you get to wrestlemania 3 in the actual match the stuff with like the referee, for instance, one more thing with, you know, Earl Hebner, Dave Hebner, like when he's, you know, he's counting, he's doing his job perfectly. Jesse, the body is yelling. It's a conspiracy. It should be a disqualification. 
you know, Randy Savage was clotheslined too hard by Steamboat. That should be, you know, a DQ for what, Monsoon? Like, they, they're just, like, yelling, you know? And, like, this is great stuff. Like, this is great wrestling commentary. It adds so much to the presentation of an all-time great, like the Macho Man, Randy Savage. It's all these little things. It's the theme music. It's the, the entrance, the stuff of Elizabeth, the, the commentary during matches. So many things go into making a wrestler a top-tier guy all time. Wrestlers can have a bunch of these elements, but you need sort of mostly all of them and not many weaknesses to really be in that top echelon, Kevin, as we know. And Randy Savage, I mean, the commentary from Jesse the Body, incredible. So I just wanted to touch on that. Absolutely. Uh, will you have anything more on that or not, or we can just move on, pal? Yeah, I want to say this. You mentioned it, uh, that Randy Savage checked all the boxes. He's, yeah, he's a five-tool player. I, I just want to reiterate that point, touch on it just for a moment. He could do it all. He had the, the entrance with the iconic theme music that you mentioned. Just one of the best entrances of all time. One of the most recognizable theme music of all time. He could talk. Great promo. Uh, he had the merchandise, the iconic merchandise, the character. He could go in the ring. He, could, he was a good commentator. He had the look. He looked like a wrestler. He looked like a comic book character. He looked like a larger-than-life hero. He had it all. And now with that being said, I'll ask you, was Randy Savage the number two guy in WWE's golden era? He'd have to be, wouldn't he? Like, I look at, because obviously Hogan was the guy in that golden era, the 80s, the Hulkamania era, spilling into the early 90s. But then you look at, like, who was the, the second greatest guy in that time? And, I mean, you got your Roddy Pipers, Guys like that, you know, Andre was infamous in that sort of time period. Ted DiBiase was great as well. But it's it's pretty much impossible to go past Randy Savage and what he offered. You look at, I mean, the Mega Powers match. You mentioned the SummerSlam 88 match with the Mega Powers and the Mega Bucks. That whole, like, year and a bit long storyline with Elizabeth that bled into the main event of WrestleMania 5. Savage was WWE champion for, like, a year straight as well in that sort of time period. And then spilling into the early 90s, you look at the match we mentioned against the Ultimate Warrior, who would also be up there. He'd be up there in the discussion. But yeah, I think Randy Savage, he ticks too many boxes to not be, really. And you look at what he did, his impacts, that we still can talk about him today with how much influence he had. Like Kevin, Randy Savage versus the other guys who are also big in that time period. Do any really hold a candle as far as influence nowadays? Maybe Roddy Piper for how like, yeah. his outspoken style, his promos. Oh, yeah. From an influence standpoint, it would be Roddy. Yeah. But... I mean, the Ultimate Warrior, I don't see that much of, like, Ultimate Warrior nowadays in modern wrestling or just generally wrestling the last 10, 15 years. I just don't. Randy Savage, you see elements of him all over the shop and you have the last couple decades. So I would say, yes, uh, Randy Savage was the number two in the golden era, which is a pretty big deal. Like, this is the golden era for wrestling. This is what many people consider the greatest wrestling period of all time. This Hogan era, Hulkamania, golden era. So that's my stance. Kevin... Would you agree? Do you think Savage was the number two guy in the Golden Era? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. It's undeniable. Uh, I just want to say this, just explain this for a little bit for some certain people because I know we might get this question or something or this comment. We're talking strictly WWF. If you're talking yeah. wrestling in general in the 80s, Ric Flair was the number two. It was Hogan yep. and Flair, undeniably. Savage in the WWF was number two, yes. If you're talking about overall consistent body of work, it was Randy Savage. Now, Ultimate Warrior had a higher peak than Savage. 
Ultimate Warrior overtook Hogan as the number one guy when Hogan was around. Yeah, Savage was the number one guy for most of 88, but that was because Hogan took time off to go film movies. So Savage kind of filled in for him. Ultimate Warrior was so big and so important and so iconic for a short period of time, but he was so big that he overtook Hogan and overlapped him while Hogan was actually there. Savage never hit that point, but if you're talking about just memorability, consistency, I mean, Savage was there from like 85 to 94. Consistently, one of the, the, the uh, cornerstones, one of the focal points of pro wrestling and WWF. And yeah, he's the guy that people will associate with, with this era more than Ultimate Warrior. It's always going to be Hogan 1, Savage 2. And there's nothing really wrong with being second to Hogan, I, I don't think. Well, Kevin, one point I want to make now, and then we'll get you to carry on with that. I was thinking this needs to be made, because one thing I was thinking, when I was looking at the Wikipedia for Randy Savage and thinking back on his legacy, I'm going to read you, Kevin. This is Randy Savage's WWE resume. So, Kevin, this is the guy, as we've just explained here. When he came in in about 86-ish, through until 93, 94, his nearly decade-long run, as we're saying here, the number two guy in a boom period for wrestling, WWE here. Here's his resume. This is his resume. WF champion twice, Intercontinental champion once. He won one King of the Ring, and he won that that tournament to become WWE champion. So basically, that doesn't even count. He just won the WWE title. That's his resume. And then he was inducted in the Hall of Fame infamously years later, as we'll get to. That's literally his resume. Two WWE titles, one Intercontinental title, and a King of the Ring. Compare that, Kevin, to a smorgasbord laundry list of wrestlers nowadays I think The Miz, I think Randy Orton, I, their resumes are as long as literally like a four-page Word document. You can just keep going and going with all the things they've won, these kayfabe accolades, but it had nowhere near the significance of Randy Savage. Randy Savage, as we'll talk about soon, had one Intercontinental Championship reign, and I dare say he's the greatest Intercontinental Champion ever. He had two WWF Championship reigns. I think he's the second top guy in a boom period in the golden era outside of Flair, who was in another company. Like, as I'm saying here, he didn't do much in the sense of like the, the sheer just list of accolades, but what he did was so significant and he was so great with that and so memorable, it left a mark. So do that what you will, Kevin. Pass it back to you. But if you put Savage in today, and not even today, in the mid-2000s when Edge and Orton and Cena and all those guys played hot potato with the belts and there were two belts... Savage would be like a 20-time champion. You know, if you put him in there in 09, when the, like, there was like 18 different WWE champions. Yeah, Savage, you put him around this era, he'd be a 10-time Intercontinental Champion, 8-time World Champion, what, Tag Team Champion multiple times. Yeah. He, he would have done it all. He would have won Royal Rumbles, King of the Rings, Mr. Money the Bank, whatever accolade you could possibly throw at him, Savage would have he'd have a bigger resume than all those guys you mentioned. Yeah. But no, I thought, I thought it was worth mentioning because I, like, I looked at that and I'm like, this, that's just really three title runs and a king of the ring. That's it. Yeah. And he's universally regarded as like, and as we're saying here, one of the absolute greatest of all time, one of the you know, biggest foundation points in wrestling, one of the biggest you know, influences. It, I just thought that's worth mentioning. I, is, I don't yeah. really hear that talk about much with Savage. He, obviously, we people talk about what we're discussing and some of the, maybe the controversies later on, but... That, that, that I feel is worth mentioning, you know, because nowadays, as you allude to, one more thing on that, we don't see what Randy Savage did now. 
there aren't wrestlers who have won. I mean, Roman Reigns now, because he's had one title. I mean, he's got like three belts. He's, you know, this champion for a bit. He's got the WWE title here. Slammy Awards, Grand Slam champion, IC, US, SmackDown tag, Raw tag, NXT North American. They're, they're like those memes of Roman Reigns or Triple H with like 15 titles. Like they're holding them. Randy Savage held one title at a time. It meant a lot because he was a big star and the belt felt important. He felt important. And there was the whole presentation was well done. So yeah, there's that point, Kevin. Let's move on. Absolutely. All right. So do you want to move to the next point? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, oh, one more thing. Just I want to touch on the mega powers all the time because that was such a big deal at oh, the time. Yeah. This, is, this is Hogan, the guy, and Savage, the number two guy. This big time storyline where they're, they're on the same page and there's conflict with Miss Elizabeth, who was brilliant, by the way. And then that leads to the big WrestleMania 5 match. Kevin, I'll ask you. I mean, as far as wrestling storylines all the time, I know it's it's... This is sort of like a off the cuff type question, but where does that sort of rank? You know, wrestling's had some all time great storylines, some big time year long story arcs, but for significance with who's involved, how memorable that was, how big it was, talk to us about like where that would sort of rank and the significance of that. Yeah, the Mega Powers, uh, the Mega Powers tag team, and the Mega Powers implosion, the Savage Hogan feud has to be in consideration for top 10 storylines of all time top 10 feuds of all time it's super important for wrestling and it was the feud it was hogan andre then hogan savage those were the feuds of the 80s the defining storylines that people will remember for years and years and years to come i'll paint just a little picture of the storyline so you know before SummerSlam 88 they start tag teaming you get the iconic handshake Everybody knows what I'm talking about, where they, they just they, 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 uh, they, they show it up, and they're like, oh, we're going to shake hands, and they shake hands. And so much steroids, testosterone, protein powder, just crack, cocaine, who knows what's going on in there. So much like intensity and fire in those promos when you had those two guys on the same screen. Savage, the most intense wrestler ever. Hogan, one of the most intense wrestlers ever. You put them on a screen together... You had whoever was out there, Jimmy Hart with them, whoever it was, and the three of those guys going crazy. It's literally, that's what I think of when I think 80s wrestling, are, are those backstage promos with those two guys, with Warrior. That's what it was, man. It was like Warrior screaming about spaceships and cockpits and, you know, Randy Savage talking about God knows what, Elizabeth and her dress and whatever. Just so entertaining. Then, you know, at SummerSlam 88, you had the infamous moment where Miss Elizabeth, uh, Miss Elizabeth, she strips out of her dress and she reveals her underwear. It was crazy. You know, distracted Andre the Giant and Ted DiBiase. Savage didn't like that. You know, and then uh, they have that, that little um, dissension. I believe it was on Saturday Night's main event, getting closer to WrestleMania five, where Savage accuses Hogan of looking at Elizabeth and touching her inappropriately. Then you see the clip of like Hogan touching her lower back. And you get the freeze frame on that. And Savage's like, look, look, Hogan, look, this is what you did. It's just great. And, and what made that work so well is because Savage was actually a lunatic in real life. Randy Savage was a legitimate lunatic who was very controlling and overprotective of Miss Elizabeth and would have literally freaked out if somebody touched her like that. For real. And, and um, uh, Bruce Pritchard, I believe it was, told a story on a podcast where... <laughs> 
Savage was coaching Hogan through that storyline and be like, hey, brother, don't you touch her. Don't you touch her. Don't get too low, brother. I'm watching your hand. You know, so it just stuff like that. The guy was so wired up, so intense in real life that it just transitioned well in, into the camera. And that's one thing I'd say this about modern day wrestling. That's what makes the bloodline storyline go so well. You know, the, the Samoan dynasty, the tribalism, that type of thing is real. That's a real thing. Tribal court is real. The, 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 uh, the Samoan lifestyle, the philosophy of family first, that's real. It, already what, what goes on with those, the head of the table, all that stuff's real. You turn that up a notch, and that's what makes great TV. It, it's just, it was per- the perfect storm for that time frame. No, I couldn't agree more. I just want to say with WrestleMania Five, which is like the culmination of that, I watched that and like my my favorite part of just that whole thing. When once it gets to the ring, they do the the big pop and circumstance. Elizabeth's interviewed backstage, and she's like seems distressed, and you know she does her promo, and it's a it's it's hilarious. They have like a Randy Savage interview, as you say. Randy Savage is probably coked up. He's yelling. In his infamous voice, he's intense, he's angry, he's like, he's nuts, Randy Savage. And then they, they do Elizabeth, and it's like the exact opposite. Like, it was like a more a normal, chilled, everyday, like, person got interviewed. And, and she was just like, I, I, I hope neither hurt each other, and the best man wins in the, the match. And, you know, it was like a normal, regular sort of person. And then within, like, a minute, it's like to Hulk Hogan roid rage shouting like it's, it's just an incredible time but i just want to touch on one more thing when i'm watching this just this moment i had watching it savage comes out to the wf winged eagle championship he's in trump plaza it's, a, it's wrestlemania's main event he's got his incredible attire crowds going crazy elizabeth's down there and then hogan comes out and th- this whole thing when, when you're a guy like randy savage one of these all-time great guys you need these WrestleMania main events, these like moments, these things that really transcend your legacy, these memorable points, great storylines, big memorable matches. So when Randy Savage is in the ring, you know, he's got his incredible attire on, crowds buzzing, Hogan's music hits, the iconic, you know, real American theme hits. Hogan's coming out, and you got Jesse the Body, Grill Monsoon shouting, the greatest athlete in sports today, as Hogan's got his like 15 security guards. He's like, he's winding up the crowd. He's pointing at Randy Savage. It's just, you know, like, like that's wrestling. You know, yes. like that, that's, that's the great of wrestling. That's just, you know, we've talked about and it's been covered at length in the last decade, especially, you know, what wrestling's become and indie this, flip-flop this, 50-minute matches, near falls, work right, yada, yada. Throw that out of the bin, we don't care. This right here, Hogan, after this year-long incredible storyline, one of the great stories, an all-time great Randy Savage in the ring, Elizabeth, legendary commentators, WrestleMania main event, Hogan steaming out the real American, you, like yelling at Randy Savage. Like, it's just fantastic stuff. It's just, that's wrestling, pal. That's what we do it for, pal. We don't do it for 15-minute work-rate trash, pal. There you go. Pal, is Randy Savage the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time? Yes, yes. Uh, short answer. I mean, we we had this discussion on Elite Take yep. like a month ago. Uh, I just wanted to rehash this because it's it's a Randy Savage bio. To me, Randy Savage is the greatest IC champion ever. We did a lot of the discussion on the IC title thing with the Steamboat match. We don't need to just deep dive the Steamboat match again. That match especially 
as well as I mean the year and a bit he was IC champion. That's the greatest, most significant IC title run ever, in my opinion. I mean, you've had many great IC champions. We've discussed this. Jericho's held the belt, what, nine times. Miz has held it a laundry list of times. But Gross. no one's on that same level as Randy Savage, in my eyes at least. So, Kevin, there you go. Do you agree? Well, of you course. first or second, didn't you? I yeah. agree, yeah. Savage is the, yeah. the best. Uh, that match at WrestleMania 3, the Intercontinental Championship match, that, that does it right there. And then on top of that, uh, he set that, that belt up with a, a lot of credibility. He set it up to be... The, uh, the number two championship, you know, if you held that belt in the 80s, 90s, early 90s, you were the next up. And that was it was that mentality. You were the next up or you were the best guy in the ring, and Savage established that. And he absolutely did it 100% best intercontinental champion. Now, I'll ask you this. Go ahead. Well, Kevin, I want to ask you, I mean, we touched on a match earlier involving a certain wrestler. I want to ask you this. Now, Kevin, I listed this as one of the great Randy Savage matches. This is uh, WrestleMania yeah. 7 related. I want to ask you, like, let's be real here. Look, Kevin, let, let's cut the crap. Let's just be ruthless, yep. cold-hearted, unfiltered podcasters here. This is a late effing hey, Kevin. Yeah. I want to ask you this. Mm-hmm. Is Randy Savage getting an instant classic out of James Helwig, the ultimate warrior, at WrestleMania 7, is that Randy Macho Man Savage's greatest achievement? Because, Kevin, this is James Jim Helwig, a man who, as we just said earlier, has the in-ring ability, in-ring talent of a bucket of steaming feces. So, Kevin, I'll uh, ask you that. Was that uh, Randy Savage's greatest achievement? Oh, man, I mean, uh, his greatest achievement, that's a bit scathing uh, to say that. Uh, I don't think it's literally his greatest achievement, but I love the wording of that question. That WrestleMania 7 match was damn good. Randy Savage retiring, um, and then his reunion with Elizabeth that led to them getting married on, on WWE TV not too long after. But that moment where they embrace, you know, she hops in the ring, she beats up Sensational Sherry, Savage turns babyface, she's crying, he's crying, he asks her to marry him, the whole crowd is crying. They literally cut the people in the crowd, they got tears coming down their eyes. Just like, what a great match! Great in ring storytelling. You don't see that anymore, I guess, in wrestling. I mean, you kind of do. I mean, we see storytelling nowadays, but it just doesn't hit the way that that storytelling did. So, yeah, I mean, what a man getting a, a great match out of Jim Hellwood. What, what an absolute, just unbelievable feat. Yeah, great stuff. And, Kevin, so there's that. Now, I think we've covered, for the most part, the really main, like, WWE... Yep big like the highs of randy savage what made him in the golden era so great and from here we can call like the rest of randy savage the sort of stuff where as your channel discusses on wrestling uncovered kevin there's more to wrestling than meets the eye there's more of these wwe top stars than meets the eye there's a lot of directions we can take this i mean there was an a and a hit piece there was an infamous scandal and blackballing involving stephanie mcmahon allegedly and there's a lot to, to go on here. I'm going to pass this to you because th- this is your wheelhouse. <laughs> Walk us through the sort of, I guess, the, like the back end of Randy Savage. Yes, that was the WCW run. He was a four-time big gold belt, WCW champion, whatever. Talk to us about either his exit from WWE, the Stephanie McMahon thing, A&E. There's a lot to discuss, Kevin. I'm going to pass this to you. This is your wheelhouse. <laughs> Talk to us about Randy Savage, pal. All right. So he retires... In 1994, 
retires from for good from WWE. So he had the retirement in '91. Didn't last very long. And what happened behind the scenes was Vince McMahon felt that Savage was too old to wrestle anymore. So he pushed him to retire after WrestleMania 7. And Savage was like, wait, hold on. Hold on, hold on, pal. Hold on. And this is, you know, in the height of the steroid trials and the crackdown of the the, the steroid jacked up guys. So Hogan was gone. Warrior was gone. You know, Rick Rude. Uh, a lot of those guys were all gone from WWE and WCW or whatever. So, you know... Vince wasn't really trying to have so much heat on Savage. One, due to not taking steroids, Savage didn't look the same that he did. So that, you know, you can say what you will about that. He didn't look the same. He's wearing different gear. He wasn't quite showing his muscles as much. So Vince was like, hey, pal, don't want you wrestling anymore. Eventually, Savage starts wrestling again. SummerSlam 92 comes along. Then he wrestles periodically, 93, 94. But he's also a commentator at this time. So then randomly, Savage leaves WWF to go to WCW. Now the story that we're told here is that he left um, because he wanted to wrestle. And WCW offered him the opportunity to wrestle. And then Vince, according to Bruce Pritchard, Vince McMahon said, we're never talking about Savage again. We're not mentioning him, that's it, he's gone. And as we saw with Bruno, with Hogan, with you name it Kevin Nash Scott Hall Ultimate Warrior all these wrestlers from that time frame and that bashed Vince that talked shit about him they all came back all of them every single last one of them except for Randy Savage that he he had the the send off where it was literally just Vince on commentary saying we wish you the best Randy Savage in your future endeavors and that was it no mention of him ever again on WWE TV, even until he passed away. Yeah, they did the 10 bell salute and all that, but throughout that time frame, there was never any talks about Savage coming back. You know, after WCW was bought out, nothing. He went to TNA. No return, no mention. Just, it was like, okay, why is this going on? The story that we're given, the reason that's out there is because Macho Man, when he left, he took the Slim Jim sponsorship with him to WCW. And apparently Vince had planned to give that to Bam Bam Bigelow or whatever. I think it was somebody like that. So apparently Vince blackballed Macho Man because of a Slim Jim commercial. Slim Jim sponsorship. Now, the conspiracy theorist in me and, and in a lot of us wrestling fans, and I made a video about this, like I said, on my main channel, so I'm going to spend all day talking about it. Check out, check out the video on my channel if you want to see it. There's a rumor out there that Macho Man Randy Savage had a relationship with an underage Stephanie McMahon back in the day. And Vince found out and Linda found out. There's rumors that he got her pregnant and there was an abortion. There's crazy rumors out there. So, yeah. That's allegedly what happened. Uh, Lanny Poffo was asked this in a shoot interview. And his answer was like, whoa. Like, he was like dancing the question dancing around it, you know. So, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever, what have you. I'm not saying that it's factual or anything, but that's the rumors. That's allegedly why Randy Savage was snubbed from the Hall of Fame up until his passing. And he was and is by far the biggest Hall of Fame snub in history. The fact that he didn't get to go in the Hall of Fame 
when guys like Iron Sheik and Bobby Heenan and Hogan and Steamboat and, you know, so on and so forth. When those guys all went in in, like, 04, 05, 06, the fact that Savage never went in, kind of a joke. Um, it, it would, the, the Hall of Fame really felt incomplete until Randy Savage went in it. So it, it's just intriguing. All that stuff, talking about all that stuff. It's very intriguing. It's one of the most fascinating behind-the-scenes legends and behind-the-scenes stories. Macho Man, in general, is one of the most fascinating people behind the scenes. I can keep rambling here if you'd like. Um, Go for it. No, this is, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. Carry on. Yeah, there's so much here to talk about. So this A&E documentary comes out. So this is where things got kind of interesting. I don't know if you've seen any of the A&E documentaries, but I've watched a good amount. And I haven't seen them all. I've probably watched like seven or eight of them. The ones I've seen, I watched like Booker T, uh, Shawn Michaels, you know, Stone Cold, uh, I can't remember what else, Roddy Piper, and I watched Macho Man's. And I watched Macho Man's because I listened to Jim Cornette review it. And I, and I was like, wow, I gotta see this. Basically, they were calling it a hit, a hit piece, Jim Cornette and Brian Last, calling it a hit piece, saying that it was unlike any of the other documentaries. So you watch like Steve Austin's, for example. They make no mention of Steve Austin's like personal, horrific personal life and background and some of the things he's been alleged of and been arrested for no mention of that Shawn michaels they make little mention but they do mention his past being a dick not too much mention of his drug history you know his history of infidelity his history of bullying talent backstage a lot of that stuff's conveniently left out same with flair they don't talk about you know the plane ride from hell stuff like that but this a and e documentary this biography about randy savage it started out fine just like the others you know you got wrestlers i don't even know who was on it i'll just say names like guys like aj styles samoa joe guys like that talking about how great randy savage was how influential he was you got lanny poffo on there you got savage's mother uh you had you know so on and so forth you had all these guys from his past hogan they're all talking about how great savage is and then like 45 minutes into the documentary it just takes a fucking left turn. And you got Savage's ex-girlfriend from WCW. I can't remember her name. It slips my mind. But the valet. Uh, what was her name? Damn, I can't remember. But he... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it escapes me. But, yeah, I get the point. So they're doing the documentary. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's flowery. It's roses. The legacy of, of Brandy Savage. He's amazing. He's wonderful. Then what happens, Kevin? Yeah, so this valet that he dated, uh, on-screen valet for WCW... She starts talking about what it was like dating Randy Savage. And it just get all this stuff where she's like, oh, I went to his house one time and I went in his closet and I saw the security camera set up in his closet. He had bugged my house. He was watching security footage of my house. He was watching me 24-7. He didn't let me go anywhere. Uh, she insinuated a physical and verbal abuse, but didn't, didn't allege it or confirm it, but it was insinuated that he was abusive to her. And again, this is not Dark Side of the Ring. This is the A&E biography. This is like where we're celebrating the greats. But no, not with Randy Savages. Um, and then you got like this freaking radio show host from Tampa is talking shit about Savage um, and Hogan. Like they, they were like, they had this personal feud. I'm sure you've seen it. They're talking about Savage made a diss track. Savage had a rap career, dropped a rap album. He made a diss track um, about Hogan so then you got Hogan and this radio show host on this documentary. They're burying Savage. Like, 
saying that, yeah, he's a great guy, but, you know, he had a dark past. And um, there's another juicy story here. So I don't remember what event this was, but it was in the mid-90s. Hulk Hogan had a black eye at a WWE event. Now, the rumor is, um, and Hulk Hogan talks about this in the, the story. Hogan and his wife were in Miami shooting a movie. Miss Elizabeth got tired of the insinuated abuse. Hogan and his ex-wife insinuated that Savage abused Elizabeth as well on this documentary. So you got that, that part in there. Hogan's talking about this and he's like, oh, we're in a hotel in Miami. Elizabeth, she calls my wife and she's like, I'm leaving, Randy. I'm going to go stay at the hotel with you guys. Savage shows up at the hotel, sees Elizabeth, sees Hogan, sees Hogan's wife, punches Hogan in the face, allegedly. This is not, Hogan didn't talk about this, but allegedly punches Hogan in the face. That's why he has the black eye. He says he got the black eye from a skiing incident or whatever. He got kicked by a, an animal or whatever the fuck he said. But most likely he got beat up by Savage at this story that Hogan's telling on this A&E biography. And he's taught, like, he and his ex-wife are insinuating that Savage abused Elizabeth. Like, it's crazy. Like, what is going on? Both these people are dead, Savage and Elizabeth. And this is what's being written, portrayed about them on TV? Like, I was watching it like, what is this? Like, it doesn't make any sense. There's definitely bad blood. This is a WWE-produced biography. There's still bad blood, even though he's in the Hall of Fame, even though his brother would get in. There's still definitely bad blood there. For sure. Well, Kevin, I will say just one thing on the Hall of Fame, and I'm sure I mean, you probably have something else to say on this. This is your wheelhouse. That's why I'm really letting Kevin tell the stories here. Kevin knows way more about this than me. I'm not going to try and act like I know a lot about sort of the, the darker side or like the behind the scenes of the stories or the, the podcast or shoot interviews, the he said, she said of behind the scenes wrestling history. But I was going to say on the Hall of Fame, the fact that it took to 2015 for WWE to begrudgingly put Randy Savage in the Hall of Fame, are there something, like, there must have been something, and the Stephanie McMahon thing is the the one that, I mean, you made the video on, and it's like the the rumor, and if what you said is true there, with I mean, you mentioned like, like, abortions, or the underage stuff, there's a lot of, like, dark stuff with that. Yeah. But Randy Savage, the guy, the second biggest star in the golden era, a guy who, as we'll discuss in a moment, his, like, all-time ranking in wrestling, for that guy to be inducted in 2015, that was Coco Beware was in there by then. Yeah, Kevin, Coco Beware yeah. was in there by then. Iron Sheik was in there like over a decade before, roughly. The Big Hall of Fame boss, started man. in like 90. The Hall of Fame started in 96, didn't it? Or was it 04? It was 93 when Andre the Giant passed away. He was like the first inductee, and then they did it again in like 96, 97 in that time frame. And then it was 04 when they picked it up and did it every year. That's bull. Like that's a joke. Like, that's, it is to 2015. So clearly, I mean, there's bad blood. Bad blood's a thing in wrestling. You listed about five minutes ago all the guys: Bruno, Warrior, Hogan, yada yada. There's a lot of guys with like had bad blood and it got hashed eventually. Savage, it, it never happened. So there, there, there is something or some things that were either known about or Savage had issue with this, or there must be something because. You put the, you connect the dots with this stuff, and to take to twenty fifteen for Double Vader, quite literally begrudgingly put him in after his death, four years after his death. It wasn't even the year after he died; it was four years after he died. Which that's just that's not great. And there, there was clearly some there's water under the bridge, or I don't know what was going on. So there's a lot of speculation, a lot of rumors. I'm not going to buy in too much of the hearsay and accuse anyone of anything, but something's up. 
something's up, Kevin. So back to you. Once again, your wheelhouse. Anything else you want to share on that or anything in the Hall of Fame or? Yeah, I just, I, I just, um, I don't understand why. Like, it's, we got to know why at some point. Like, it has to come out. There has to be something in it. The explanation we got for Bruce Pritchard is that Vince was mad over a damn a fucking Slim Jim sponsorship. Like, that's not enough reason. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah. That's not it. That's, that's not, not enough it. reason to produce a documentary where you got Hulk Hogan talking about how he abused his wife, Elizabeth, who, like, neither one of them are here to defend themselves. Like, why are we learning about this? Um, you know, and, and we've seen... I mean, people have seen the stories. Like, we've seen multiple wrestlers, like Honky Talk Man... Uh, you know, from that era, Teddy Biasi, Iron Sheik, Jim Cornette, tons of people have talked about how Savage was controlling and maybe abusive to Elizabeth. We've heard the stories, the stories that I've that were on this documentary about the the hotel room. We've all seen it in shoot interviews. Why are you putting on a platform like A and E, a major platform where thousands, hundreds of thousands of people are watching this documentary? This doesn't make sense. Um. But, yeah, it's weird that Savage is treated that way. Um, it's kind of unlike anything else we've seen in wrestling, because everybody else made amends. The only time Savage ever did anything WWE-related, from the time he left in 94 till his passing, was a commercial for WWE All-Stars. The, the video game that came out in, like, 2010. Yep. And I don't think he was directly involved with WWE. I'm sure that was the game that reached out to him and wanted him to do the commercial. So maybe that was a gateway for him to come back before he passed away because we did see that happen with Warrior and Kurt Angle and guys like that. That's how they got brought back was through the video games. Maybe he was going to come back before he passed away and it didn't get to come to fruition. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, let's okay. move on from that. One, uh, one last thing I will say, just, just to kind of put a bow on that. The fact that, once again, just to, just to restate one last time, this is the number two guy in the golden era. This is one of the all-time greats of wrestling. This is one of the guys who made WWF at the time what it was and catapulted the success of WWE globally, generally. That guy has been blackballed for decades. WWE didn't want to like, even mention Vince McMahon. was like, no, we're not talking about We're not mentioning Randy Savage. We're giving him the Benoit treatment, so to speak. Randy Savage wanted nothing to do with WWE up until his passing. He was involved in literally nothing from, what's that, the 17 years between him leaving the company in 94 and then him pass, tragically passing away, you know, the heart attack in 2011. 17 years, he wanted nothing to do with it. Four years after his death, they begrudgingly put him in the Hall of Fame. That's more than a Slim Jim issue with a sponsorship. That, that, that's, that's just not it. Some things happen. Some things have happened, so... There's that. We'll, we'll park that there. Kevin, unless you want to even go further, I just want to ask you now, with all this being said, we'll put the kind of the bow on the, the, the bio, which I thought this has been a really good Randy Savage bio. And hopefully after it, a lot of you guys can maybe go back and watch some of the best Randy Savage stuff because trust me, I d I've done it. It's really good. It's worth it. Uh, so Kevin, I'll ask you, I guess all time now, when you're ranking guys, when we look at Randy Savage, where, where do you sort of put him? We don't need like an exact number. We're not doing our like lists yet. We're not at that stage. But general ballpark figure, where are we sort of thinking? When I ask you, where's Randy Savage all time? Where are you putting him? I'd say he's top 12. I put him right, right in there in the top 12. Um, I don't have him in that tier one with Taker, 
with Rock, Austin, Cena, Shawn Michaels, you know, Flair, Hogan. I don't have him in that tier, but he's in that next tier with the Triple H's, the Brock Lesnar. Um, you know, I got him right there with Bret Hart. You know, guys like that. He's he's in that, that upper echelon. I, I think that top seven, top eight, that's reserved for the guys that were just the absolute number ones in wrestling. You know, Rock wasn't technically a number one. I mean, he overtook Austin by like 2000, 2001, 02. But he didn't come around long enough. Like, if you put him in a different era, Rock's going to be number one. Would Savage be number one in this era? I don't know. I, I can't say firmly that he would be the same way I can say about Rock. Hogan was clearly number one. Savage was clearly number two. With Austin Rock, it was always a little bit different. You know, it was like Austin's right here. Rock is like right there, right underneath him. So a little bit different. Um, but I think Savage, like I put Savage like above guys like Eddie Guerrero, Roman Reigns, you know, Edge, Orton, um, guys like that, Jericho. Chasers, yeah, those yeah. guys, yeah. Yeah, I have him yeah. firmly above those guys. But just behind, like, I, for me, I, I put him right there with Triple H, Andre the Giant, Brock Lesnar. He's right. Yeah, Bret yeah. Hart. He's right in line with those guys. Yeah. Just maybe slightly above those guys. That's a different conversation. You could put him maybe yeah. above Bret Hart, Triple H. You know, it's, it's a different conversation. Yeah, no, you've answered that literally exactly how I would answer it. I'm not just going to regurgitate what you just said. My answer, I fully agree with Kevin on that. He's not the absolute top tier one, which is the guys who carried the company or in the case of The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, guys who were like top tier main eventers or upper mid-card guys for over two decades with the longevity of just greatness. He's not, Savage isn't quite there. He's on that other tier where it's, you know, the absolute fringe of that tier one, but not quite there. And you mentioned the guys around that, Andre, Bret Hart, Brock Lesnar, Triple H, it's kind of semantics, really. Who's where? Who do you prefer? Whose stint? Whose you know peak do you prefer? That's all semantics. We'll debate that later in the year when we do our you know top fifty. That's going to be a, a yeah. big time elite heat series we do, which yeah. I look forward to doing. That's going to be a saucy debate, pal. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's going to be. I'd say yeah, somewhere between maybe. If you want to be really positive, Savage probably like top you know, maybe eight, but realistic eight to twelve, eight to thirteen. Somewhere in that, around 10-ish, around 10-ish for Randy Savage. Uh, just an absolute legend, so there you have it. There it is, pal. Lovely. Yeah, Randy Savage, one of the absolute greatest of all time. And I think we did him justice with this bio. I, I think this was unlike the A&E hit piece, pal. It, this was a, a, uh, a genuine love story to one of the greatest characters of all time. He gave us all countless memories. Um that grew up and watched him and you know those of us that got to rewatch his content through the network and peacock and binge and all that can't thank savage enough for everything he's done for the wrestling business and he's just it's been a pleasure just going back watching his old promos and yeah one of the absolute best 100 percent. and i like that we do this with these wrestler bios and we don't do them too often i mean the angle one was six eight weeks ago now we do them maybe, you know, every every now and then, but they're reserved for guys who deserve them. Guys who deserve hour, hour and a half, two hours, just in-depth praise, discussion, legacy talk. And Savage is no, no exception to that. He's one of the absolute all-time greats. And as you mentioned, the five-tool player, he could do everything. He had no real weaknesses that I can think of on the top of my head. And, you know, it, 
yeah, it's a legacy that speaks for itself. And one thing I want to touch on as well, some people may watch, listen to this, watch this and go, you didn't really cover the, the WCW stuff per se. Really, Kevin, in my eyes with Randy Savage, the WWE stint, the, the mid-80s through until, you know, near enough mid-90s WWE stint, that is the, like the heartbeat of Randy Savage. That's like the skeleton of his career. The WCW stuff, you mentioned the match against Diamond Dallas Page and some other matches he had per se from mid-90s through like late-90s in WCW. He was there. He was involved in some, you know, marquee big matches in WCW at like pay-per-views and what have you. But none of that, in my eyes at least, maybe to listeners, but in my eyes at least, none of that had the impact of what his WWE stuff did. So that's what we wanted to talk about with this Randy Savage bio, his most impactful, most significant, most important stuff, which just happens to be the WWE stuff. And really the, the sort of, you know, as Kevin touched on, the behind the scenes, the, the, the legacy, the how he's remembered. So, yeah. Yeah, one of the most fascinating characters on screen, behind the scenes, just everything about Randy Savage is so fascinating. Now, I want to transition here to our Around the World segment. So we were talking about the WWE Hall of Fame being a joke. Now, Randy Savage not being in the Hall of Fame while he's alive, not being inducted in the Hall of Fame, I should say, is like, it's the equivalent of the Baseball Hall of Fame not having Barry Bonds in there. It's like, it's like that. Barry Bonds, for those of you who know, you know, Barry Bonds, one of the greatest baseball players to ever live. And I've said this before, the WWE Attitude Era is a lot like the steroid era of baseball. Household names, Ken Griffey Jr., Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, all these guys that are still, that have legacies, Derek Jeter, all these dudes, they have legacies that live on now. And baseball, in a large part, lives off that time frame. Kind of how WWE lives off the Attitude Era. And, you know, WWE's moving forward. They're thriving way more than the MLB is, so the comparison doesn't really hold up. But the, the Baseball Hall of Fame, this is a little bit of rant, and I've been on this rant for a while, and I, I need to get it off in a public forum, I guess. Yeah. So, Randy Savage not being in the Hall of Fame, joke. Absolute joke. Disgusting. It, it invalidated the, the WWE Hall of Fame. I know he got in, but like you said, begrudgingly, that's a great word. Barry Bonds has been ruled ineligible to be inducted into the Hall of Fame because of this silly rule that after, like, I don't know what it is, six, seven times on the ballot, if you don't get inducted, you're not going in the Hall of Fame. This is a legitimate sports organization that has a legitimate, real Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York, that you can go visit with plaques. It doesn't make sense to me that that you, you cannot tell the story of baseball without Barry Bonds, without Roger Clemens, without Sammy Sosa, without Mark McGuire, without Alex Rodriguez. I know everybody hates Alex Rodriguez. I understand. But Alex Rodriguez, whether you like it or not, is one of the greatest players to ever lace up a pair of cleats. One of the best to ever do it. Him and Barry Bonds not being in the Hall of Fame, it invalidates it. What's the point of having a Hall of Fame? It's like having an NBA Hall of Fame. Literally, this is not an, an exaggeration. This, In NBA terms, it's like having an NBA Hall of Fame without Shaq. Or without Tim Duncan or Kobe. Or Magic Johnson, like someone yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And baseball allowed them to cheat. That's the problem. Baseball allowed it to happen. They knew everybody was doing steroids. And then, you know, the whole thing with WWE happens and Hogan and all this. And then they're like, oh, you guys can't do steroids anymore. Bro, 
MLB players used to do cocaine in the locker room. I mean, in the dugout. They, they, there's a documentary on the 86 Mets, the most coked out team in sports history. The 86 Mets, Daryl Strawberry, Dwight Gooden, uh, Gary Carter, Ron Darling, all these guys used to do cocaine in the dugout during games. You know, the MLB let... The MLB is... Uh, it's so flawed. It's it, it annoys me so much. They allowed players recently. This is a recent thing. They allowed players to use sticky stuff. It's the the stuff that like that um, actors use to when they play Spider Man to like make the webs. It's stuff like that. They were used that to get a grip on the baseball and increase the spin rate. And then what happens eventually? The pitcher starts striking out batters too much, and nobody wants to watch baseball anymore because it sucks. And you're just watching power hitters get struck out by guys that are that are using sticky stuff and throwing. 96 mile per hour changeups striking everybody out. Nobody wants to watch baseball anymore. So you know what the MLB does? Blame the pitchers. We allowed them to use the fucking sticky stuff, but we blame the pitchers. Same thing with the steroids. We allowed, we knew Barry Bonds was doing steroids. Barry Bonds was a Hall of Famer before the steroids. Barry Bonds was like a, a three time MVP before he even injected a steroid in his veins. He injected steroids to to be to get better with age, to be 37, hitting 47 home runs. Ah, it's ridiculous, bro. Disgusting. I hate it. I love and hate baseball. I love and hate it. I can't live without it. I watch it every day. I, I complain about it, but it just annoys me so much, man. Kevin, and one more thing on that. Well, firstly, you know, yes, I'm a Diamondbacks fan. Admittedly, I know next to nothing about baseball. I know who Barry Bonds is. So that right there, that is a Hall of Fame first ballot guy, I'd assume. But as you say, I guess not. One thing I want to discuss now, this may seem like I know nothing. I want a genuine question here. You talk about the steroid era with baseball. When I think steroids, essentially, I think, you know, bodybuilding or one of these ones where, yes, you can be natural, but you enhance your like, physique and it's, it's obvious you're on steroids. You're, it's really, you know, performance enhancing, veins popping out, you're bigger. Like, that's what I think with steroids. Baseball is a, it's a hand-eye coordination sport. You throw it, and you got to you got to actually hit the ball to do it. How is steroids that detrimental to like the legacy of that? Because I mean, I guess the stronger players is that like what's what's the deal with like I hear about the steroid era all the time when it comes to baseball. That's what I hear. The Yankees and every other team was on steroids, and it was the league and you know a certain time period with steroids. But how does steroids really? change baseball all that much when it's a hand-eye coordination game but it, it for one for guys like barry bonds and roger clemens who were already all-time greats before the steroids it just made them better as they got older barry bonds was like barry bonds hit 70 home runs in a season i i, I want to say somebody will correct me he hit like uh, he broke the record for a single season of all-time home runs and he was like 38 so it was because of the steroids like i said before the steroids barry bonds Already won MVPs. Already one of the best players in the game. Then he did steroids when he was like 34, 35. And you can see it. You look you look up old pictures of Barry Bonds when he played for the Pirates. He's a skinny guy, in good shape, could run, could steal bases, could do it all. Then when he played for the Giants in his older era, he was just big, just a truck, you know? Okay. Uh, the yeah. same with Roger Clemens. And then you have guys like David Ortiz, who's in the Hall of Fame. David Ortiz, a known steroid abuser, is in the Hall of Fame. But everybody loves Big Poppy. You know, he sees a guy with a smile. He's got the accent. It's more political. 
and I'm not going to get mm-hmm. into that. There's it's a yeah. more political game with A Rod and Barry Bonds, yeah, especially. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so with David Ortiz, he's the skinny guy, all twig, twin, um, stick and bones. There we go. Stick and bones, yeah. And he's playing for yeah. the Minnesota Twins. He gets cut by the Twins in the minor leagues. Career is floundering. Starts injecting the needle, pal. Shows up out of nowhere and becomes one of the greatest baseball players of all time. One of the most iconic players of all time for the Red Sox. And it's just like, oh, we love the Red Sox. We love David Ortiz. He's in the Hall of Fame. No big deal. He was a literal nobody. And that's the same thing that happened with McGuire and Sammy Sosa. They were nobodies. They started doing steroids. They got jacked up. They were able to hit the ball further after doing steroids. So I guess it's that. So that's the sort of what I'm saying. So I guess power, and you mentioned with Bonds and these other guys, you know, when they're getting older, I guess would it be concentration or like that's no, like, like, like recovery like, like recovery so they could recovery. yeah so they okay. could perform like they were 28 you know okay no that makes sense yeah no i just wanted to just clarify with that because i mean obviously me I, I, i'm just some absolute scrub with baseball i want to get the the kind of clarity with yeah. that so that makes sense that's fair but for bonds not to be the whole thing that that's just dumb even even i've heard of him it's it's as you said same thing as magic johnson or shaquille o'neal not being in the like and that's the thing with randy savage it's the same thing as, you know, Magic Johnson or Larry Bird or Shaquille O'Neal not being in the Hall of Fame in the NBA or the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. It's a joke. It's just, it's stupid. So, there you go. Yeah, absolutely go. disgusting. Revolting. Also, pal, one more thing. I'll say for our listeners here, SummerSlam preview show is coming in the next couple of days. It's SummerSlam week. Let's go, pal. Uh, big show. Kevin, we're going to do our big SummerSlam preview with a lot more juicy current stuff. But real quick, one wrestling-related question, just as a little teaser preview for that show. Where, where's your excitement at? Because before we started recording this, you didn't seem too keen with SummerSlam. Is it, was, was that correct? I want to say, it's not that I'm not too keen, but it's just like, there's no hype for it for me. I, I'm just like, okay, oh. SummerSlam's happening. It's just a lot of rematches. You know, do we need to see All Cody? Right. Like, do we need to see Cody and Brock again? Like, park this, park this, yeah. park this is enough of a teaser, enough of a preview. <laughs> we'll save that for next time, listeners. Get ready to go off on Kevin for not being excited. Oh, now, no. there's that <laughs> around the world. Randy Savage, larger than life, an absolute all-time great. Kevin, it's been a good one. Quality bio as always. I'm gonna get to making some clips. We've had a number in this show that'll be really good. So yeah, easy. Peace.